Hey guys, welcome to season one of the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission is to encourage and nourish everyone through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family, and we hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Uh, sorry for the abrupt uh, leaving yesterday. I don't know what happened to my internet. I have my mobile hotspot open now, so if anything happens to the Wi-Fi, I'm going to ju- jump on that because the devil is a liar. Amen. So let's, uh, so, but I am so grateful um, to share all this. And I know yesterday I was talking to Rushma afterwards. Yesterday was, was, a, was a little bit challenging of a word, but um, it's meant uh, to shake our false confidence and uh, allow us to be rooted in Christ. So today is going to be part two of what is, what does a redeemed life look like? What does it what does it mean to be a Christian and a not, or as opposed to a non Christian? And it's an it's 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 a great um, question that we should be asking ourselves and the body of Christ because 2020 is a defining factor in the church. Um, might I say COVID nineteen has caused such a uh, a numerous different types of responses, even within Christians. So has racial injustice within Christians. So this is the year that Jesus is separating sheep from goats within the body of Christ. Um, so it's 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 a great it's it's great to know. Um, do I belong to Him? And here's the truth: God wants you with Him, and He wants you all to Himself. But there's also many false gospels out there as well. So um, we need to know what the word says. And the word um, is truthful. And, and when the word cuts you, remember, when, the, when God's word cuts you, it's always to bring life. When Satan cuts you, he wants to kill you. But when God cuts you, it's to bring you life, as, as weird as that might sound. And I've been cut numerous times by the word of God, never understood that he loved me enough to cut my heart to bring life into me. So tonight, we're, our opening text will be John 15. John chapter 15. And I'm going to go from John 15 to 1 John. And in between, there's going to be just two or three verses we're going to look at. So we're going to look at what does a born-again believer look like? So um, it's good to know that. Um, and we should also look in our life of, of, of our, am I walking in a, in a born-again life? Um, am I walking in steps of what Jesus has called me to walk in? So I know we prayed a lot, but I always like to pray before I start. So Father, I, th- I just say yes and amen to everything that um, rose up to the throne room, and I just pray, God, for the blood of the Lamb to cover us, and I just pray that all of us would be in a prayerful attitude. Holy Spirit, you preach, and you exalt Christ, and you speak to our hearts, and you edify us and show us what it means to, uh, uh, for someone to look and act and speak and walk like you, God. So I pray for the veil to be removed, for, our, for eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive um, what you're doing. So I give you all the glory. And the honor and the praise of God for what you're doing tonight. And we just thank you, Abba Father, uh, for your goodness tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So John 15, 1. I'm just going to uh, start off. If you, if you want to know the culmination of what a born-again life in Christ looks like, it's in John 15. John 15 is the crescendo, is the climax. It's the apex of the spirit-filled life. It's, it's what you, this is the heart, uh, not of churchianity, not of denominations, but of a life with Christ. This is the heart of the life of Christ. It's, and it's, it's so beautifully illustrated by the Lord. And, it, and it's, it's titled, The Vine and the Branches. So we'll start off with verse one, just go through a couple of verses. Uh, and this is what it looks like for a born-again believer uh, life. Um, 
what it emulates. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. Uh, so Jesus had many I am statements. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. He has many I am statements. So he's saying, I am now he's saying, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser or your translation might say gardener. Okay. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Um, so I'm just start off with the first verse. I don't know if your translation says this, but mine says, I am the true vine. The true vine. The reason Jesus says, I am the true vine, is because there are false vines out there that looks like Jesus. So Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And, and so he's identifying our roles. He's the true vine. He's the one who gives the life, the life-sustaining power. And his father is the one that clips and does all the things that a gardener does. And uh, he calls us branches. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So if a branch doesn't bear fruit, um, that is not the fault of the, of the vine. It's, the, it's something that blocks the vine and the branch. There's something that got in between. So if a branch never bears fruit, you can't ever say to the vine, or the, or the tree or the root saying, hey, it's your fault. I'm not bearing fruit, you know, because God always will supply you everything he needs, everything he needs to give you the life of Christ. If there's ever a block or if, if we're wondering, why, why aren't we bearing, bearing fruit? Well, when you, when you sow uh, seed, um, the, the, the farmer waits three to four months to reap what he sowed. So you can't just read one verse and expect tomorrow to have peace, you know. It's a lifestyle of cultivating uh, the word of God sown into your heart. So again, Jesus is the true vine. Uh, that means there are false vines. Um, the false vines through whatever, whatever you abide in. When you abide in social media, you will, you will produce the fruits of social media. It will come out of your mouth, out of your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you abide in, whatever you dedicate or invest all of your time in, you will bear that fruit. So Jesus saying, I'm the true vine. I'm the one who gives you the true life. Not that all these things are wrong, but whatever we um, inundate ourselves with, that's what we'll produce. And the first uh, part he talks about is branches that doesn't bear fruit. And what happens to them? They're broken off. They're broken off and cast away. And then he says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Uh, so, um, so pruning, if you are going through pruning, I'll just say this. It is evidence that you're saved. If you are being pruned and you're being refined, that is evidence to you that you are saved. Because a false branch will not be pruned. It'll be broken off. But a true branch, the evidence that you're saved is that you're going through discipline. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says, every son goes through discipline. And if you are not disciplined, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, you are illegitimate. So the fact that you're disciplined shows that you are saved. And, the fact, and, and if you don't go through discipline, whatever discipline, whatever correction, whatever uh, season we go through, when the Lord allows difficulty in us to walk through it, um, the farthest thing from the truth is we say, God, what, are, are you mad at me? Am I not saved? Am I headed? You know, uh, is it over? It's the farthest thing from the truth. God is taking you through a valley where he prunes you where he molds you. And that valley, that pruning is the evidence that you are saved. 
Um, on the contrary, if you've never been disciplined by the Lord, if you never allowed the Lord to bring or have experienced that, we should examine ourselves. Are we in him? Because every, as what, what do we talk about today? How, uh, um, and for the icebreaker, have you been, you know, disciplined by your parents that you blamed on uh, your parent or your siblings or whatever? So every child, parent that loves will always discipline. And it's the evidence that you are truly saved. So um, I did not first understand that when I went through discipline, I thought, oh, I'm dead. God's going to kill me. You know, I did not understood. I did not understand that I am married to Jesus. He's not about divorce. And he's not just because I mess up. He's not going to take the rings away and say, I'm giving you my certificate of divorce. He's brought me through a disciplining process. So God is not about abandoning. Satan is about making you feel like you're abandoned. God is here to let you know you're pruning and uh, the pruning process hurts. So a true born again believer will always be pruned. And if you ever, if you ever did gardening, especially rose bushes, when you you see a multiple at the stem, when there's, where there's uh, the the blossom, the buds coming up, what you do is the gardener clips at that stem where there is life. And it looks like you're, you're, you're being killed, but it clips at that place. So when it regrows back, it'll grow back multiple more stems. So it'll be even more uh, in blossom the next season. So if you are bearing fruit for Jesus, God will clip you. He will clip you and clip away things um, that to you might seem like what is going on, but God is clipping away at things so that you can be more fruitful in the next season. Um, and he does that so that we can bear more fruit for him. So he, and it's, it's a painful process. It's a hurtful process, but he needs to do that so you can uh, mature in your faith and you can be developed in your faith. So the pruning process is evidence that you are a true born again Christian. If you are never pruned, you never go through difficulty, I might you might as well ask yourself who who am I? Am I really following him? I mean do I really know him? Um, because the evidence of discipline and the evidence of pruning, uh, these trials of refinement are are uh, evidence to you that you're saved. And verse 3 says this. I don't know uh, uh, what you're translating. I'm reading the NKJV. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. That word clean in, in the Greek, that word clean means without mixture. That word clean means purified by God, morally upright. What is it? So, so if you ever read John 15, you might have wondered, what does this mean? I mean, we, we're talking about branches, we're talking about pruning, and then all of a sudden Jesus is saying, you're clean. And then he continues, it all connects. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's the word clean is the same word. It's a play on words for the word prune. So here's what the Lord is saying. And this is beautiful if you understand this. He's saying, you're going to go through a refining process, but you're already clean, meaning this. Positionally, you are justified. Meaning before God the Father, you are clean eternally. But on earth, I am going to prune you. So what does that mean? Your standing before God is sealed. You're already clean. But as long as you have flesh and blood and you're walking on this earth, I am going to prune you. And I'm going to allow things to happen to take these things off you so you can bear much fruit. So here's what Jesus is saying. All of you that are my children, because of the word I spoke to you, you're, you're clean. You have a right standing before the Father. And because of that, I am going to continue a, a process called pruning or sanctification. Uh, there's a saying that's uh, for, in the Christian uh, faith that says, you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. 
So what does that mean? You're saved. We're born again by the blood of the Lamb. You are being saved. That means God is pruning, sanctifying, refining until either you're dead or you see the second coming of Christ. And you will be saved. That means your redemption, your, born, your glorified new body that you will get when you see him. And then the work is perfect. The work is uh, fully finished, the work of sanctification. So you are saved. You are being saved. And you will be saved. Okay, so your salvation is sealed at the cross. So when you so when you when you accept Jesus Christ, why aren't why don't you fall? Why don't you um, why don't we drop dead and 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 die and go up to heaven? Is because God now continues the work on earth. And Paul says, you might not understand this, and this is if you understand this, it'll be very insightful for you. But the process of sanctification, um, Paul says in First Timothy four, godly uh, physical training has some value. But godly training has value for this life and the life to come. So what does that mean? Um, how you're faithful at work. The, the few talents Jesus gave you on earth, the, whatever gifting, worship leading, preaching, teaching, whatever you do, it's not only preparing you for this life. When you reign and rule with Christ, it's also preparing you to reign and rule the afterlife. So every experience you go through here, your soul is being prepared for the next life. So when you think, oh, well, you know, I'm just leading a few kids Bible study. What does that mean? No, no, no. My friends, you have no idea. If you, you are some, who, the people who are entrusted with the smallest group in the, in the new heavens, in the new Jerusalem, they'll be reigning over cities. They'll be reigning over kingdoms. You have no idea that the way the principle of heaven works. He who is faithful with the little will be entrusted with much. So it doesn't mean that you have to be like Reinhard Bonnke and preach to nations. His reward is different. But the fact that you're faithful with your talents, you're being prepared for the next life. Um, that verse says, abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So what's the heart of, of, of what Jesus is saying now? Um, you never see a tree. I don't, if you never see a tree that has a panic attack because it, 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 it's afraid it's not going to bear apples for harvest time. You never see a, a tree taking antidepressants, all these things. A tree, all it does has to abide. That's it. Receive the nutrients. It never worries. if it, No tree has a panic attack that apples will come during harvest time. And no tree um, wills through willpower says, I'm going to try the hardest to produce a fruit. Right, this it's 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 abiding. All all it does is receive the nutrients, receive the sun, and the fruit comes out. So what is Jesus saying? As the as the as the tree, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, it must abide in the vine. So must you. It, uh, Jesus is the true vine. When you abide in Him, you're not going to wonder how am I going to get how am I going to get more patience? How am I going to get more love? How am I going to be more self-controlled? Well, the harder you try, the harder you try, it's going to be like quicksand. It's only going to make your condition worse. But the more you abide, it's going to produce fruit. Abiding, that means remaining. How do you abide in him? The Bible says, abide in me and I in you. It's a two-way. Abiding in the Lord, in his presence, in his love, and allowing him to get access into your heart. It's going to produce beautiful fruit. Um, I remember I had anger issues. Um, I had self-control issues. I didn't love um, anyone that didn't love me back. And I just let the love of God fill my heart. And I allowed myself to have the word of God in me. It produced the fruits naturally. I didn't try to do it on my own. I just rested 
in the faithfulness of God. You abide in me. And then he says, um, I am the vine. Again, you're the branches. So he's making it um, very clear that he's the vine. We're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So what is the Lord saying? He's saying it is impossible to live this Christian life without the abiding presence of Jesus, without having his word in us, without having his presence in us. So um, this means that it is impossible. It's impossible. You know, the, we, are called, we are called human beings, not human doings, right? And that's very important because God has made us beings. We're supposed to be. Uh, Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses unto the ends of the earth. He never said, you shall do witnessing. He said, you will be my witnesses because witnessing and evangelism is a natural byproduct of being with him. We are human beings. The Christian life is not about doing. We do because we abide and it causes the life of Christ to work through us. So um, I'm going to keep reading. If anyone does not, uh, verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So here's the thing. If you abide in me and my words, meaning the word of God, it has to abide in us. If you abide in me and my word abide in you. So that's more than just um, reading a Bible verse. To have the word of God abide in you, that means you have to accept it. You have to believe it. You have to receive it. You know, Psalm 119 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? He said, by hiding your word in my heart. How do you hide God's word in your heart? It's by meditating, looking at it, asking God to help you accept that word and hide it in your heart. His word gets into your heart. The result will be beautiful fruit. And God continues to work um, the process of sanctification. He will always continue to sanctify you. Um, some things that if you came to the kingdom with, if when you're born again, you're born with a lot of, uh, you come into the kingdom with a lot of baggage. Jesus, uh, the God doesn't deal with all your issues right away. Some things he will allow to grow to its full measure. And maybe six, seven years down the line, he'll start dealing with some things. Some things God will start dealing with right away. Some things he'll take a couple of years later until it comes to full fruition, and then he'll deal with it. But the whole process is pruning, right? The whole process is, is abiding. So remember, we are, we are human beings. We're not human doings. We abide in him. The, the, the Christianity is allowing Jesus to work through us. And, and in order for that to happen, we need to allow ourselves to yield to the gospel, to yield to the Holy Spirit, to yield to his word. So if you find yourself uh, struggling with, you know, why am I not, why am I not, why am I not where I need to be right now in my Christian walk? Well, the more you die to yourself, the more you surrender, the more you'll see Jesus live. Um, both us and Christ cannot live in us. One of us has to, one of us has to go. So when we die, Jesus lives. But when we live, the life of Christ is not at its fullness. So that's why Paul says that uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who loved me and uh, gave himself up for me. He's the one who lives in me. So the born again life is Jesus living and working through you. And to sum that up, Philippians chapter two says, 
Um, Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to act. Right? So we always quote the first part of that verse. Paul says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. And then he says, but it's not you that's working. It's God who's working in you, both to will and to act. So that means all of this is God. That's why the Bible says, no flesh will glory before my presence, that I was able to do this. I was able to do that. So, um, for example, Simon Peter's denial. Uh, The reason why Jesus allowed him to deny, go through the denial is because Simon said, even if everyone else denies you, I won't deny you. And there was something in Simon that Jesus didn't like. It was called pride, human confidence. So Jesus said, I'm going to allow, Satan's asked to sift you. And through the sifting, I'm going to allow the devil to sift out your confidence so that when you have failed, I'm going to call you again. The same way I called you the first time. Because when he went back fishing and he says, Simon, do you love me? So, but what was Jesus saying? Simon, for you to be a worker of my kingdom, you have to die. For you to do anything for me, your boasting has to go. Your confidence has to go. Your self-reliance has to go. So I'm going to allow the devil to sift your confidence right out of you so that when you fail and when you go back fishing, I'm going to meet you where you're backslidden. I'm going to ask you if you love me. And I'm going to commission you again because grace started the work and grace will finish the work, Simon. And so in between the three and a half year journey, Simon's own confidence rose up. He said, I'll even die with you. And Jesus said, will you really lay down your life for me? No, you won't lay down your life for me now, but you will later. So Simon had something that, um, that, that God couldn't work with. It was his own self-reliance. So a spirit-filled, born-again life, you have to let go of your own confidence. Some of us have more willpower than others, so it's a harder uh, process for us to understand that. So God will allow us to be sifted in greater measures so that we can fully rest upon his grace. So if you if, remember, these are fruits of the spirit. They are supernatural fruit. You can never produce, if you, if you think about the attributes or the, the the qualities of this fruit, it's when you read Galatians 5, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Um, you can't just say, God, I'm going to be as gentle as possible with my horrible coworker tomorrow. I promise you, I'll always be gentle. You know what, what you're saying is? You're saying, I have what it takes to bear that fruit. And the truth is, you don't. You absolutely don't. So when you say, I will, I will promise you, I will never get upset at that coworker and I will always be gentle. What you're saying is, I have the resources and I have the power to produce this fruit. What we should be praying is, Jesus, I, am, I have a horrible temper. I, I can never love this person the way you call me to love. Unless you love through me, I can't produce this fruit. So that's called yielding and surrendering. That's called, God, I don't have the ability. You have to do it through me. This is where abiding comes. This is, this is what you call the prayer of humility, acknowledging to God, I don't have it. I don't have the power. Unless you work through me, I'm just going to look, it's just going to look like false humility at the end of the day. It's not going to be real. It's not going to be a real fruit. Um, at, at best, you know, at best what we produce, at best what Christianity or churches produces, you ever gone, uh, gone to some, uh, you know, uncle's homes, or especially in our Malayalam homes, we have this thing like the plastic fruit set on the dining table, and you think it's a real grape, and you, and you pick it up, and you realize it's fake. 
that's what the fruits of our the, the, the fruits of our own effort looks like it looks like it's real but it's just fake but the fruits of the spirit must be produced by the spirit so remember that the fruit of the spirit must be produced by the spirit your human flesh doesn't have any ability to produce these supernatural fruit because the way god calls us to love is to love our enemies i mean it takes god to love your enemy um it's not easy that kind of agape love comes from the holy spirit it doesn't come from you so what what is jesus saying abide remain in me uh let's just keep going um then i have a couple of verses in first john if you abide in me, verse 7, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you, will, um, so you will be my disciples. So what is it? key here is bearing much fruit shows that you are his disciples. And it says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I'm just going to finish the, the rest of this. Um, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I recommend you. So another way of abiding, that Jesus said, I'll let my word abide in you. Also, if you want to abide in his presence and his love, it's by keeping his commandments. Now, it doesn't mean, this does not mean the, 12, uh, the Ten Commandments. It means, basically, this, it, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Basically, when you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, you are keeping the Ten Commandments. Because Jesus said, all the commandments rest on these two, loving God, loving your neighbor. So, and when the Lord tells you to do something, you're prompted by the Spirit. When you are obeying Him, you are abiding in Him. You have unbroken fellowship, unbroken communion with the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's another way to continue to allow his life-giving spirit to flow through us by obeying, obeying what he tells us to do. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he may give you. These things I, um, I command you that you love one another. So he's saying at the, end, at the end of all this, Jesus saying, listen, you did not choose me. You didn't find me. I found you. And I appointed you for one reason, to bear fruit. The Christian life, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jesus is going to inspect our trees and say, what, what fruit did you have? What fruit are you producing? Just like he came to find uh, uh, fruit on the fig tree and he found none. Remember the first time I spoke on that and he found fig leaves. He cursed that tree because it was a false religious system. There was no fruit. So what, what is Jesus interested in? Remember, he's interested in fruit. You must produce fruit. Where does fruit come from? Communion with him, abiding in his word. And some of us might have a harder time, uh, maybe because of unbelief, doubt, trauma, anxiety, fear. Those are like thorns and thistles that cover your heart, and it prevents the Word of God from fully maturing. So we're going to ask it through fasting, praying, get all that junk out of your heart, and I'll, and I'll allow God to soften your heart so you can believe again. So remember, uh, one of the churches, I believe it's the Church of Sardis, he said, uh, Jesus said, you have, you have an appearance, or you have a testimony that you're alive. You appear that you're alive. Um, but you're actually dead. Meaning to the, to the outward, you look like you're alive, but you're actually dead. You, or the church in Sardis, Jesus said, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're really dead. Mean, meaning uh, from the outside, people saying, oh, look, what a great church, all these programs, all these activities. And Jesus saying, no, 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 listen, you have, an, you have a reputation that you're really alive, but I know you're dead. You have no fruit. 
There's no life. There's no love. There's no intimacy. And then the Ephesian church said, you do this, you, you test false prophets, you study, you work hard, you persevere. But he said, you left your first love. So what is that? God is interested in communion, the relationship, because out of that comes everything else. So now we're going to go to uh, finish up. Um, we're going to go to First John. Um, so here's something I want to just point out to you, all of you, okay? All of you that are taking notes. If you want to know that you're a true born-again Christian, read First John. Just go for it. Read all of First John, because all of First John is written... Because John is writing those who claim to be Christians, and this is what real Christians look like. So if you want to know, um, and, 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 and 1 John is not easy to read. It's, 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 it's good. It's written with real gentleness, but it's, it's conviction. It's the word of God. So if you want to know that you're a real, true, born-again Christian, read all of 1 John. It's, so, it's incredibly convicting, but it's, it's a light. It's a mirror to show us if we're really uh, walking with him. So I wrote down 11 points. 11 points to see if you're a real, uh, the, the, or the markings between a real Christian and a, and a, and a false one. But I'm going to point out the, the true nature um, of what a real born-again Christian is. First John 1 John 1.6 says this, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Right? And, and look what a real Christian does. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what's the first step? Oh, what's the first marker? John is saying there are some who claim, claim, what is that? Mouth, verbal profession. It's only verbal profession, no evidence. If we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, what does that mean? What is walking in darkness? Does it mean literal darkness? No. If you claim to be walking with Jesus and you have hidden sin, unconfessed sin, the Bible says you lie and you do not practice the truth. But, and then look what John says. But if we walk in the light, what does that mean? You, that, that, that the same um, imagery of Adam and Eve naked, walking before the light, nothing hidden, everything uncovered before God. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, meaning there's nothing hidden. I'm not hiding a secret bay or a secret sin or a secret stash. Everything is known before the throne of God. Everything of my life, my bad habits, my addictions, my secret sins, everything God can speak to. I'm not holding anything. And then it says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. So how do we walk in the light? When you, have con when you confess your sins, when you confess all these things, you, the light is shining into the dark parts of your soul and you have fellowship with him. So the false Christians will say, yeah, I'm walking with Jesus, but we'll keep things hidden in the dark. True Christians will say, I'm walking with Jesus and he has access to all my baggage. He has access to all my addictions. He has access to all my fear. He has access to all my shame. I am not hiding anything from him. That's what you call walking in the light. Okay. Uh, next, next um, evidence, First uh, John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. When we say, oh, you know, I'm good. I don't need Jesus to forgive me of anything. You know, I'm, I'm a morally clean person. The Bible says we deceive ourselves and, and the truth is not in us. The truth of God's word, because when you have God's word, it will convict you that you know that you're a sinner. And, but, but what does it say in verse 9? If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So when we say, I don't need to be forgiven of anything, I'm, I'm good. Uh, the Bible is saying we're making Jesus a liar. But when we say, God, forgive me, I know I've messed up. And this the pride of my heart. The, the Bible says he is just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Okay. Um, so uh, that's the one, two, let's go to the third one. I'm going to just go real um, slowly, but quickly through this. First uh, John 2, 4. But I'm, I'm going to read from verse three. Here's another evidence to know that if you're really true born again Christian. Now by this, we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, and this is, a, this is like, a, like, it's like a curse word for people, keeping his commandments is not. If, if, here's what John is saying. Now by this, we know that we know him. This is how you know that you know Jesus, that you keep what he says, okay? What he says, his commandments. And then verse four says this, he who says, I know him. Oh, I know Jesus. I've been saved, raised in a you know, God-fearing home, took water baptism. So he said, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, and here's the key, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we're in him. You want to know that you really love God? If you really love God, you will do what he tells you. And this is not legalism trying to get you into workspace salvation. This is what John is saying. I am going to make a stark contrast. People who say that they know him, but don't do what he says are not, they don't know him. <laughs> but people who know him and are in love with him, they will do what he tells them to do. All right, a clear distinction. You will actually do what Jesus tells you to do. You won't just say, I'm a Christian and sing the songs, but you'll do what he's telling you to do. Okay, so that's number three. Number four, this is a little bit of a stinger, okay? But number four is this. Um, I'm going to read from eight to give you context. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which, is, which, this, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light or who is a Christian and hates his brother, is in darkness until now. Okay, so here's a clear contrast. Okay, anyone who says, I love Jesus, but hates your brother, whether they're black, white, Hispanic, Chinese, you're a liar. You have no, God's word is not in you. If, if, you, if you harbor bitterness and you harbor, and, and it's to every people group, and, and, it, and it, it speaks to the testament over the churches in even now, political um, racial climate of the U.S. If you say you're born again Christian and you cannot love another brother who's, who looks different than you, the Bible says you're a liar and you're, you have no place. God's word has no place in you. And that, that stings. It stings because it's the truth. Um, but anyone who loves his, uh, verse 10, he who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause in, uh, for stumbling in him. And this does, is not just a black or white issue. You can, you can hate your own race or people within your own community. And that's still hatred. Hatred is still hatred. So uh, this calls for the agape love of God. If you, if you have unforgiveness, bitterness towards someone, and you say you're a born-again Christian, the truth is you don't really know his love because his love will cause you to love others who hurt you. And it's hard. Uh, I've been hurt multiple times, numerous times. It's been hard to forgive. But... As a Christian, I cannot not forgive. The love of God will compel me to let things go. Okay, so it's a major contrast. If you see anyone that is in pure hatred um, and calls themselves a Christian, they are not, according to Christ, according to First John. Okay, 
next next one this is a little bit different first john 2 19 it says they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us but they went out that they might be manifest that none of them were of of us so there's a whole lot of us them that here's what paul uh, john is saying there's a certain group of people that fell away and he's saying they fell away because they never truly belonged to jesus in the first place so another way you can see is uh, someone who's not a true believer and false is someone who falls away from the faith john is saying they fell away because they were never saved they were never saved to begin with. So I want to I make a very important notice. Some people will have a prodigal son season, meaning you go and, and taste the things of the world, and God will, if you're truly saved, God will call you back. But if you're not, you, it's impossible to come back home because your heart was never changed in the first place. But if you are a sincere believer and you're struggling with sin and you have these episodes where you go out into the pig pen by whatever reason, um, if Jesus saved you and his hand is on you, he won't let you go. He will make sure your life, he will make sure you are never in peace with sin. He will make your life miserable. He will never make you enjoy sin. He will cause you to come back home. Because who sent the famine in the prodigal son story? Right? So there's a great famine and the son was hungry. Who did that? The father did that. He allowed a famine to come because he caused the son to hunger because he wanted the son home. So if God loves you, if you're truly saved, you will never be comfortable in sin. That's the, that's the clearest indication. If, you're, if, you, if the word of God and the seed of God remains in you, you will never, ever, ever, ever be comfortable with any type of sin. You can struggle with it. You might backslide into it, but you will never be able to stay there because your nature has been changed. All right, so I'll, I'll tie that with another point. If I, if I take a pig, if I take a pig, and I bring him into the house, and somehow I have the ability to take the pig's heart and put a kitty cat's heart in that pig. If I sent that pig back out into the mud and it fell back into the mud, it will run out of the mud because why? The heart changed. But if I take a pig and I put a nice little piggy suit on him, some nice Dolce & Gabbana cologne, make him smell nice, put him on the family table, the minute I take that pig outside and he sees the mud, he'll run right back to the mud. Why? Only his exterior changed. His heart never changed. So you see the difference. A born-again Christian life, your heart will change so that even if you fall into the mud, you realize that what you delighted in before, you will hate now because your nature has been supernaturally changed. That's a clear... So, uh, so understand that. that it's, uh, you can be gifted, but if the love of God and the, the Word of God has not changed your heart... Don't just, don't fool yourself just saying, I got a ministry, I got this, I'm saved. No, 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 friends, your, your, your walk with God is based on your relationship with God, not on your gift or your calling. So always remember that. Okay, 1 John 2, 15, 17. I know time is coming up. I'm sorry, but I'll just wrap this up. 1 John 2, 15, 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But, it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So a false believer will love the world, but a true believer will love the will of God. Right? So if you, and I, yes, the things of the world entice you. And we talked about Demas yesterday, who loved the world and left. Paul abandoned the faith because he loved the world. So remember, guard your hearts. 
Satan is a mastermind. He's meant to, there's no new trick, is new methods. But he's meant, he, his, his point is to allure you, just like you try to allure Christ and the temptation by all the kingdoms of the world. He's, 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 his, his device is meant to lure you, to take you away from your love with Jesus and give you a false love. But don't fall for those tricks because it's only going to uh, cause you to um, fall farther into darkness. Um, I'll just finish this for time's sake. 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8 says, um, I'm going to read from verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So someone who does good is, is from God, because, he is, because God is good and does good things, righteous acts. And verse 8 says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So the one who sins or continues in sin has no change of nature. That means they never belong to Jesus. They're children of the devil. And that's a hard saying. Um, but this, hopefully this will clear it up. Verse 9. Whoever has, read this. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. I'm going to explain this. For his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So what does that mean? Does that mean you will never sin after you're saved? No, because First John says, anyone who says they have not sinned, they claim God to be a liar. So what is John saying? It's exactly the, uh, the, the imagery I use with the pig. Anyone who has been born of God does not continue in habitual sin. You cannot. You know why you cannot? Because there's a supernatural seed in your soul. It's called the word of God. It's supernatural, this power. It will and and your 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 throne room of your heart has been taken over by Jesus. So no matter what addictions, whatever it is, if your heart has been changed, you cannot stay in that sin. But if you can continue in that sin and feel no conviction, that means nothing ever changed. If you can stay in sin, if you can stay without any conviction and keep uh, exercising that, that means the word of God has never come into your heart. You've never been changed. Okay. Um, 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, that we, we know that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So uh, people who are the faith, they won't love in word and in tongue, but in action. You won't say, oh, I hope somebody can help this poor homeless man. You'll actually go and help them. Meaning the, the true nature of God compels you. And I know there could be struggles, fear, and God knows that, but the true faith, will cause you to, uh, James says, faith without works is dead. So true faith will produce action. Okay. Um, and uh, just a couple more. First um, John 4, 2 says, By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. So there are certain people who said that Jesus was just purely spiritual, spiritual being, and he did not, he was not incarnate. He, they deny the incarnation that he was made manifest in the flesh. So every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus actually came through the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life and died and was resurrected is of God because it's bearing witness to the truth. There are false different types of gospels that teach that Jesus was purely or something just purely spiritual being, or all these new angelic beings, whatever, but he never became a man and died for your sin. So it's basically with that, with that, it's a test to see that the Holy Spirit in you will bear to the word of God, that he was incarnate. He did become a man and died for your sin. So it's bearing witness to truth. 
But when you deny the incarnation that Jesus came in the flesh, it says it's the spirit of Antichrist. It's another spirit preaching another Christ right, that Paul dealt with. So, and the last one, 1 John 4, 8. I'm going to read from verse 7. Beloved, and this is, the, this is the most important one. Okay. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay. Our generation says love is God. That's not the same as saying God is love. When you say love is God, you can make love anything. But when you say God is love, that means there's a standard and there's a right and a wrong. So um, uh, uh, Paul says in um, 1 Thessalonians, Now may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So Paul is saying you're being pruned. May your soul, spirit, and body be kept blameless and sanctified. And he's saying this, the one who called you, he's going to do it. So the whole process belongs to God. He's the one who started it. He's going to work first. Jude one twenty four says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. So again, the life of a true born-again Christian is there's actual life. You might struggle, but there's actual life. And God will refine you, prune you, and he's the one who will present you before God faultless. Remember, it's all God's work. What is your response today? Submit and yield. Amen. So with that, I'll, I'll close and uh, we'll, we'll hand it um, over to worship. But I, I think I'll just say one word of prayer um, just to close all this off. I know this has been maybe a lot for you, um, but it's just to show the major difference, especially for the year 2020. Everyone calls themselves a Christian. Uh, just because you're born into a Christian home doesn't mean you're a Christian. I'm sorry. You need to know Jesus. Um, that's the only way you can understand that you're a true born-again Christian. So um, if you're struggling with sin, um, realize there's a difference between struggling with sin and not being born again. <laughs> so you can, you can be born again and struggle, and, 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 and God can help you. And then you can be just given to sin because the seed of God never came into you. So let's pray that God will change our hearts today and prune us. And remember, you are loved. If you're being pruned, that means you're saved. So just rejoice at that. If you're being disciplined, that means it's a good thing. You're actually saved. If you're not disciplined, you're not pruned, you have to really think about where you are in your walk with Jesus. So amen. I pray. Let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I just ask all of you to place your hand on your heart. And I'm just going to say one uh, just word of prayer. If you, if you feel like you never made a true, remember, uh, if, if, you, if you never felt like you made a true profession of faith in Christ and you felt like you just went through the motions in church and you never had conviction, maybe tonight God removed some of that um, blinders. So if you, if you are unsure tonight, if you're saved, God loves you. God, remember, Jesus died for you personally. He took all your sin all your shame, all your guilt on that cross. It's God's burning desire that you're come home to him. So if you do not know, and if you're truly a born-again believer, I ask you to repeat this with me. Father God, I confess that I am a sinner. Lord, I don't want to be a pretend Christian. I want to be convinced that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again for my justification. Forgive me, Lord, for following the hype. Allow me 
to be truly saved. I give you my heart. If you can change my heart, Lord, I welcome you in, and I ask you to change me from the inside out. I confess that you are my Lord, that you died for my sins, and you rose again on the third day. Accept me, Lord, into your kingdom, and forgive me of all my sins. Wash me by your blood. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father God, I pray for all those that have prayed and I pray for all those that are being disciplined or pruned or those who are being challenged. Holy Spirit, bring conviction tonight. Don't let us uh, be asleep thinking we're something when we're not. Allow our eyes to be open and allow us to follow you, knowing that you love us and you're not going to leave us. And I believe, Lord, that you love, you want all of us to be saved. So help us to accept this gift, to humble ourselves and to call you our Abba Father. Fill us with your joy and your peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, drop us a rating and a review if you have the time. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and keep listening for His voice.